This fall, we'll feature the high-profile elections for senator and governor in Wisconsin. While those races at the top of the ticket will certainly garner the most attention, races happening up and down the ballot will have a huge impact on the state of Wisconsin. The Wisconsin State Legislature, in particular, has a tremendous amount of power in this state and makes important decisions on a variety of issues, everything from education to public safety to abortion rights. And every two years, 115 seats in the state legislature are on the fall ballot. All 99 members of the state assembly are up for re-election every two years, and half of the state senate, 16 members, will also be on the ballot. This year we'll also have the first election for those positions under new maps. Every 10 years, the state goes through a redistricting process. This will be the first election held under those new maps, but it not, might not be the fresh start for the legislature that many might be hoping for. To help us break all of this down, we're joined by John D. Johnson, Research Fellow at Marquette Law School's Lubar Center. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So these are the first elections under new maps in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, and what is different about these maps and what will be the same? Well, the maps have to be redrawn according to the Constitution every 10 years to make sure that the population is equal between each district. And so I guess the most important thing is that now these districts have equal population. Um, aside from that, not a whole lot has changed. Uh, the Supreme Court of Wisconsin ruled that the new maps that they would choose would need to be uh, little changed from the previous ones. The previous maps were drawn in 2011 by unified Republican control of the state government. And so they baked in a strong partisan advantage for the Republican Party back then in 2011. Over the course of the last decade, uh, that advantage sort of degraded in a few places around the state as voting patterns changed, particularly in some of the Milwaukee suburbs, for instance. Um, and these new maps really refresh that Republican advantage uh, to take into account those changes. So um, these maps are a little bit more favorable to the Republicans than the previous maps were, uh, but it's not an enormous change. So in many ways, the new maps reflect what we have been experiencing in the state legislature for much of the past decade, where Republicans have controlled the state Senate and the state assembly and the legislature overall. Um, is, are there any places in the legislature that are expected to change under these new maps? Well, so one example would be in the Milwaukee suburbs, uh, where the 14th, 13th, and 15th districts were all quite competitive under the old maps. So these are the seats that extend out from the city of Milwaukee into Waukesha County, uh, really around Wauwatosa and West Dallas. Um, all three of those seats, like I said, were competitive under the old maps. The 14th and 13th districts leaned slightly Democratic and the 15th district leaned slightly Republican. Under the new maps, none of those districts are competitive. Now the 13th and 15th are solidly Republican and the 14th is solidly Democratic. That's really a good example of how gerrymandering works. You take competitive seats and you make them uncompetitive. In this case, three competitive seats turned into three non-competitive seats, two leaning Republican, and one Democratic. 
So some have said that there is a possibility for Republicans to win a supermajority this year. What is a supermajority in the legislature and how could they get there? Yeah, so a supermajority is when one party controls two thirds of the seats. And if you have that and everybody in your party remains unified, you can pass legislation to override a veto by the governor. So to achieve that, Republicans would need 22 seats in the Senate and 66 seats in the Assembly. I think there's a very good chance that they'll get the 22 seats, maybe even 23 in the Senate. It'll be harder for them to do that in the Assembly. You can see them getting to 65 seats fairly easily. Um, they would need to win the 74th and 73rd Assembly districts, which are in northwestern Wisconsin, Bayfield and Superior. Those parts of the state have been historically Democratic, and they still have been voting Democratic recently, but the, the margin has narrowed. And the new districts that are drawn uh, under, the, under the new maps do shift each of those seats a little bit more towards the Republicans. Um, and the Democratic incumbents in both of those districts are retiring. So those are two pickups the Republicans are looking for. There's a few other seats they think they might be able to pick up around the state. The 13th district, which I mentioned earlier in the Milwaukee suburbs, is now solidly Republican. They're very confident that they'll win that seat. They might be able to win the 94th district, which is the suburban lacrosse area that leans slightly Republican, but is represented by a Democratic incumbent. Uh, but if they did all of those things, they would still need to win a 66th seat uh, which would be probably the 71st district, uh, which is represented by a Democrat, Katrina Shanklin from Stevens Point. That seat leans Democratic by about seven and a half points. Um, and so for Republicans to win, that would require a shift towards the Republicans that we haven't seen for a very long time, not ever in the last decade. So it's a, it would be a big push to do it. Um, I think it's unlikely, but that is on the table. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about the different places that will have competitive seats because they often show a window into which are going to be the most closely contested areas of the state where people will be campaigning on statewide races. And you mentioned a few of those, the places like the far northwest corner of Wisconsin or the La Crosse area or the Milwaukee suburbs. Uh, you mentioned Very, how redistricting has really impacted the Milwaukee suburbs. Are there any particularly competitive races uh, that people should be watching and paying attention to for these fall legislative elections? There are so few. Um, that's what gerrymandering does, um, takes away competitive seats. There are so few in the Milwaukee suburbs. There's really just one. It's the 84th district, which covers mostly Greenfield. Um, this was represented by Mike Kugslich, a Republican. He's retiring. And I think because he's retiring, uh, the Republican map makers saw the opportunity to kind of more significantly change the political lean of that district without endangering one of their own incumbents. So that district, which used to be pretty solidly Republican, is now more evenly matched. It leans by a little over two points to the Republican Party. And it's drawn uh, two candidates who have past experience in public policy. 
Uh, one is Luann Bird. She's a Democrat and she's the former executive director of the Wisconsin League of Women's Voters. And then the Republican candidate is a name that may be familiar to even more of your viewers, Bob Donovan, uh, recent Milwaukee alderman, recent candidate for Milwaukee mayor, uh, now a resident of Greenfield and running for the state assembly there. Very interesting to see the shift in that particular area because I think we've seen you know, some changes in the southern Milwaukee County suburbs. And I think that is one of those areas that, that people will be looking to that have perhaps been trending to the left in the last couple election cycles. But as people consider the historical nature of a midterm election year, where you have the, the party opposite the president tends to pick up seats. So what, are, what is kind of the bigger picture uh, that people are looking at with the midterms and how it relates to, to the history of a midterm election? Most people imagine just what you said, that this should be a good cycle for Republicans. Uh, both you know, nationally, Republicans are running against the president, which usually helps. And then in Wisconsin, it's a Democratic governor. So you would expect the same, uh, the, the same thing to be in play there. But it's not entirely clear, you know, thus far, Tony Evers has been pulling a little bit ahead of his Republican challenger. And we, we see a similar dynamic on the Senate side of the aisle. So uh, it'll be close and it, it's not entirely clear how that dynamic will play out. Because again, there are so few parts of the state that are actually in a competitive assembly or Senate district a lot of it will come down, I think, to the specifics of those races. Yeah, it's interesting to see whether this will be a typical midterm election year, because you have so many different factors going into it. You have Roe v. Wade being overturned. You have so many of these, you know, election denying candidates, particularly here in Wisconsin. You know, we'll, we'll have to see if this is the typical midterm election year. And you, and you work with the Marquette University Law School poll, and you have looked at some of the big issues that will be impacting those races for governor and senator at the top of the ticket. What are some of the big issues that people are paying attention to going into this home stretch of the campaign? There's, there's quite a range. Uh, Republicans and Democrats really care about quite different things, although there are some commonalities. Um, Republicans are very concerned about things like inflation and illegal immigration. Uh, Democrats show the most concern about things like climate change and, of course, abortion policy, which is important in different ways to voters across that ideological spectrum. Uh, thus far in the campaigns, we've seen many candidates emphasizing issues that are important to their base. Uh, but those issues may not be the same ones that motivate independents to turn out and vote for them. And in a state like Wisconsin, you cannot win without the independents. Um, so I think both campaigns will be considering how to both drive up turnout among their base, make their, their um, strong Democrats and strong Republicans excited to show up and vote, but then also how to appeal somewhat, um, if not across the aisle, at least to the independents in Wisconsin who are the real kingmakers in our politics here. Mm -hmm. And as we get into the fall, we, the only thing that is that seems to be certain in every election in Wisconsin is that it's going to be close. It'll be uh, whether it is the race for governor, the race for senator, 
you know, we see so many races in Wisconsin decided by decimal points. Um, is, is that what's expected for these races at the top of the ticket as well, that they are going to be close and come down to the wire in November? I think it has to be. The, the statistic I tell people to really drive home how close races are here is when Donald Trump won Wisconsin in 2016, he actually got a smaller share of the vote than George Bush did in 2004 when he lost the state. So it, it, we've been close for so long, even as parts of the state have shifted quite considerably, it has almost perfectly offset each other around the state. And I, I don't expect to see anything different this time. John D. Johnson, thank you for joining us. Make sure you know what's going to be on your ballot this year by going to myvote.wi.gov and click on the link that says, what's on my ballot. John, thanks for being here. Thanks. There's been a lot happening at the Milwaukee County Transit System this year. For one, ridership is up. Whether it's because of more people working in person or due to rising gas prices, there have been more than one million more rides given this year as compared to a year ago. Changes are also coming to the system with a planned redesign, new buses, and a new app. Joining us to talk about all of this and more is Christina Hoffman, Director of Marketing and Communications at MCTS. Christina, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for inviting me. So, uh, ridership at the Milwaukee County Transit System is up this year by more than a million rides. Uh, what is driving this increase? Yeah, we're really excited to see riders coming back to transit after maybe taking a bit of a hiatus uh, due to the pandemic. Um, so we're kind of building back slowly but surely. And as you mentioned in the opening, things like higher gas prices, people returning back to work or a hybrid schedule, uh, school just started uh, this week, colleges are back in session. All of that is building back to uh, increased riders. So when gas prices were especially high earlier this year, did you start to see more people using the bus? We did, actually. That's when we started noticing the trend, the increase start. But summertime is traditionally a little bit lower ridership time period. So we did start to see the increases over the summer. And then you had the summer festivals and state fair. And we even had packed buses during state fair. So that was really great to see. Definitely some encouraging news. So how do these numbers compare to maybe some of what you saw from before the pandemic? Well, there's really no comparison. So before the pandemic, two years ago, we had an annual ridership of about 30 million. And uh, now we're uh, inching toward 15 million. So, you know, about half. And But it's, it's getting better. Every month we're seeing increases certainly disrupted a lot of things and, and transit uh, a big part of that as well. Uh, so the increase in riders isn't the only thing that has been new and different uh, at the bus system this year. There was a recent announcement that there would be 73 new clean diesel buses coming to the system. What can you tell me about that? Well, now officially our entire fleet is clean diesel. So um, we're, we're We've been building on clean diesel since 2010. So we've been at this for a while and it takes a while to get replacement buses over the years. 
and uh, and now we're complete, uh, all clean diesel. And every year they come out with new clean diesel technology. Um, it's just better for the environment overall every time we get a new batch of clean diesel buses. So with these new buses arriving, you know, there's always a question about how, how different things are funded. How, how are these particular buses funded uh, for these replacements in, in the county? Right. Buses are typically funded through federal dollars. And uh, the way we have it structured is we get 80% from the federal government, and then we also do a 20% local match. Great. So budget season is, is soon approaching in Wisconsin. So these questions about how to fund something like new buses is, is always part of the debate in Milwaukee County. Uh, what are some of the issues that decision makers might be looking at with the bus system and with some of the funding challenges that the county transit system, like so many parts of county government, is facing? Well, we've always been challenged, at least in the last decade, to do more with less. And uh, we're running really lean, uh, lean and mean. Um, we produce a great product, a great service for Milwaukee County, given the dollars that are available. So when it comes down to you know, looking at the budget and the deficits you know, ahead, um, we you know, look at service on the road, where we, where, we, where we must put the most service to serve the most people. Uh, and then we, we look to trim you know, where we can without affecting too many people. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. But there's always new things happening, like we said with the new the new buses coming in. Also, this new this year, there is a new app for people to access transit, track their track their bus routes, pay for their bus fare. What can you tell me about this new app? So it's called the Umo app, um, and. Right now, I just checked the numbers today. In fact, we have over 40,000 downloads to date, and it's only been around for a little over four months. So we're really excited. People are using it, like you said, to track the bus, pay their fares, and more exciting things are coming in the future with our overall fare collection revamp. So in 2023, people will see new smart cards, enhanced features on the app, more ways to pay, and, uh, and then even uh, a new technology on the buses, which is uh, a validator, which is a little bit different from the fare box of old. And it's just new technology, a new way to uh, scan your, your phone or your card and sit down and uh, get the bus moving faster. So there's a lot of fun technology, exciting technology coming up next year. And that's part of an overall redesign that uh, MCTS is, is going through, correct? That's right. So when uh, so when we start the BRT next year, the bus rapid transit system, part of what's driving the new fare collection is the fact that we are doing off-board fare collection at all the stations for the bus rapid transit system. And it just it's a quicker way to get people on and off the bus. So what was the, what exactly does that mean? When would be people be paying their fares? So there will be something called a TVM, a ticket vending machine that's on each platform. So customers will come up, they'll scan uh, their phone or their um, the, the app or the card uh, and off board. So on the actual station, 
you scan it and then you just get on the bus when it arrives. Very good. And you mentioned the, the bus rapid transit. I think everybody around the Milwaukee area has seen some construction happening this summer uh, for those new bus rapid transit stations. What can people expect, uh, you know, going forward and, and when will people have the chance to start using these bus rapid transit systems? Great question. So the first thing they're going to see is coming later this year in November, our first battery electric buses will be in town for training purposes. So you'll you'll get to see the buses traveling up and down Wisconsin Avenue. Uh, and then as we move into next year and all the stations get finished, uh, by the end of spring, we're uh, expecting that the bus rapid transit route will be officially launched and service will start. That's exciting news for a lot of people. And just as, as a reminder, where exactly does that route run? It runs up, uh, it's nine miles, um, and it starts uh, in downtown Milwaukee along Wisconsin Avenue, and it goes all the way out through the medical center. Uh, and then it, the terminus at the end of that route is the Watertown Plank Park and Ride. Very good. And are there any other, you know, big picture changes happening with the bus system as you look ahead to this fall uh, with the increased ridership uh, and looking ahead to this fall and, and into next year? Well, we're always looking to improve our service uh, and our routing. And we made a massive change last year with MCTS Next and revamped the entire system. And we added 16 high frequency routes. So buses are coming a lot faster, more frequent uh, for riders. And then they'll see that too with the bus rapid transit system, the BRT is gonna be every 10 minutes, you know, a bus up and down the avenue. So that's gonna be really exciting. That paired up with the new fare collection system. Uh, there's also a study happening right now for um, a north-south BRT along 27th Street. There is just a lot of exciting things happening in transit right now. Now, I noticed you also shared some news recently about a poll about how people use transit. Uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, what can you tell us about those results? Yeah, every year we do a customer survey. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is that the number one reason people use the bus is to get to work. So we see everybody from people in suits to healthcare workers, uh, essential workers, uh, you know, taking the bus to work. And, uh, and so that's exciting. But we're also seeing an increase in leisure activity rides. So about 5%, uh, you know, over the pandemic year. So you have to sit back and think, okay, why are these people taking the bus more frequently for leisure activities? Well, I think part of it is like the pandemic reset. Uh, people are reassessing what's important to them, uh, maybe de-stressing their lives and taking the bus is part of de-stressing. Let somebody else do the driving because not everybody likes to drive. Certainly an easier way than, than sitting in some of the traffic uh, we see around the region sometimes. Well, Christina Hoffman is the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Milwaukee County Transit System. You can find more information about ways to access local transit and find a bus route near you at RideMCTS.com. Christina, thank you for joining us. And thank you, Dan. I appreciate it.